Welcome to Extra Innings, the Phillies podcast from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Scott Lauber. And I'm Matt Breen. And uh, here we are on the uh, eve of opening day. Did, did you think we'd get here? No, and it's funny. I was thinking, like, because you, you feel like in this, this 2020 year, there's, like, no, time, no sense of time. Right. So, like, you forget, like, what month it is. And if this was a normal year, this, we'd be doing a podcast today talking about the trade deadline. I was thinking about that, too, the other day. It's like now we're talking about opening day. Opening day in the middle of July. Like, that's how late into the season we are right now that we're already at the trade deadline, yet we haven't thrown a pitch, seen seen a pitch get thrown. I know. And um, I counted counted backwards yesterday from the start of training camp, summer camp, spring training 2.0, whatever you want to call it, which started, I believe, on July 3rd. And uh, so it's been 20, about 20, 21 days now since the start of that. And that's a third of the season. So, I mean, I don't know how you felt, but for me, training camp flew in like in the blink of an eye. Um, It feels like they just got got here. And here we are on the eve of the opener. And it really reinforced to me how how fast this is going to go. Yeah, really. Like one of the articles I was writing for our preview that came out today, I wrote that, um, they, they had two weeks of training camp, of camp, just because it went so fast. I was like, wait, no, it wasn't two weeks. It was three weeks. Yeah. It just, it really did fly. And I, I think like a 60 game sprint is the, is the cliche that everyone's saying. But I think it really is going to be in pace a sprint. It's just going to, this is not going to be the long up and down season that we're used to. It's going to fly by re- really fast. I'm working on a story um, for that'll hopefully I think be online later today, just kind of about how it feels like uh, baseball has already accomplished something just by getting here. You know, July 3rd, uh, when everybody showed up, we were talking about how's the testing going to work and what's the rate of positives going to be and all of the challenges from uh, how they interact with one another at the ballpark, how they interact with um, the world at large when they're away from the ballpark, all of these monumental, it seemed, challenges that stood in their way. And I think, you know, there weren't a whole lot of guys who were saying it at the time, but I think you could hear in their voices the uncertainty about would they actually even make it to the start of the season. Here we are. They've made it to the start of the season. And if you're going to celebrate opening day ever, uh, this is the year to celebrate the fact that there are actually going to be games beginning Thursday night uh, with the Yankees and the Nationals and the Dodgers and the Giants, and then into Friday with the Phillies, I think it's an accomplishment that they've even gotten to this point. Yeah, for sure. I if, At the start of camp, when all the, the news was about missing tests or guys that were positive and guys that were missing from camp, I thought for sure this was going to be a nightmare and a disaster. And I, I, I might have even told you, I don't think they're even going to get the opening day. But I, I think over the course of the last three weeks – you, it's not like I'm shocked today that, that they're going to play tomorrow. I think that, you know, they, those feelings maybe took a week to go away and, and everything became kind of normal and, and as most as it could. And it just seemed like MLB, the players, the Phillies, everybody kind of figured this out a little bit to the best that they can. And there's no guarantee that this is going to work because like Bryce Harper said yesterday, that the real test comes when they start to travel and you're, you're, staying in hotels and you're not able to go out at night and all that. And, you know, even all day you're stuck in your hotel room and how is that going to work? But for now, I'm 
impressed that there's going to be a season starting tonight and then the Phillies are going to play tomorrow. So definitely something to celebrate. Jake Arrieta sort of sounded a similar tone. Like, look, there are challenges uh, that lay ahead. And uh, now the question will become how far can they get? Um, You know, do they get through 10 games, 20 games, all 60 games? Can they get the playoffs in and all of that? Uh, But uh, Arietta also said, I think looking back now, maybe we thought this was going to be harder than it really is. You know, it still feels like to me like it's science fiction when you walk into Citizens Bank Park and there's nobody there and uh, you see players with masks on and everyone's social distancing. It it feels like something out of another dimension, Um, but it is kind of becoming routine. Uh, for for people, and we know how routine-oriented baseball players are. I think they're adapting to this new routine, and Arietta said, um, you know, we thought, like, oh, it's going to be so hard to not go out to restaurants, or it's going to be so hard to to do this or that, when really, um, if the the reward at the end for doing it all is to be able to play baseball, guys are going to do what they have to do, and I heard Reese Hoskins say it as well earlier in the week about, you know, um, wanting to be careful because of the guy next to you in the clubhouse and wanting to make sure that they're okay and that their families are okay. There's a real kind of like almost unifying sense to all of this. And maybe it won't be as difficult um, for players to adhere to the, to the protocols. And the, the virus is going to behave the way it wants to. And maybe it's going to seep into this whole thing and, and, and undercut it all. But I, I don't know that it's going to be for a lack of being careful or a lack of trying. Yeah, it's funny. Everyone, I feel like the question that gets asked almost every day is like, you know, how weird is it out there with no fans or how weird is it with the masks and and stuff? And it's like, it was weird at first, but just like this whole world we live in, I think, you know, the weirdness, the difference, the the different way you live has almost become like normal. Like, does it stink to walk in, in the Target with a mask on? Yeah, but like are you kind of used to it by now? I hope so. And it's the same thing with baseball. It's like, this is what it is. There's no people in the stands. The players are wearing masks. It's different. There's no high fives, but it's like, it's not going to be weird forever. Like it's already become like you accept it because it's the entire world is living through this. It's not just the Phillies or major league baseball. That's playing like in this weird situation. It's like, everyone's doing it. So I think it's going to be different and, and and weird and all that, but it's not like, wow, this is so weird to see because it's like you look outside your door right now and everyone's walking around with masks on or social distancing. Right. So it makes sense the players are. For me, I think the one, the major dif- dif- different aspect for fans is going to be watching the games on TV with empty seats. And I don't know how much – like sports you've watched in the last week, really since like the MLS came back. Um, but I watched some NBA yesterday in Orlando. Some they, They've done some preseason games down there. And I watched a little bit of MLS at night just to get a feel for what it looks like. And it's, it's actually not as bad as I thought. Like, I think, you know, it, they're going to make, and, and baseball too. Like we've seen some preseason games on TV already. Yeah. But I think they're going to make it watchable where that was my one concern is that how watchable would this be Would the product be without fans in the stands. But from what I've seen so far, I think it's fine. Yeah, I'm you know, look, you're you know, you're watching a baseball game on TV and you're you're focused on the field of play. And, yeah, you get your crowd shots and you'll get your shot of 
you know, the guy who just caught the foul ball or whatever it is. But for the most part, you get that center field camera, pitcher looking in at the hitter, and you're sort of locked in on that. That's not going to change. Um, where, where I've been a little bit curious is to hear the broadcasts, because we know that our friends who are broadcasters in this business are going to be doing a lot of these games remotely, and that can't be easy. Um, you know, as difficult as it, as it might be for us to cover a game remotely, it's going to be twice as hard or infinitely harder for them to call a game remotely and be into the game the way they normally would be. Um, so that, to me, is something I'm going to look at uh, and, and look to. But, you know, the actual, like, visual, uh, for baseball especially, the actual just visual product, you know, how much different does it really look? And, and you know, maybe you just don't get as many camera angles or you know, as many distractions. For me, it's still weird being there and hearing the fake crowd noise and, the, you know, all of those things that they're trying to do to make you feel like you're um, not just in this empty 40,000 seat stadium. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's going to take some getting used to, but the, the actual product and, and this leads me to this, you know, we covered training camp for three weeks and I don't know if it was a week into it or a week and a half into it, but at some point I began to feel a lot more comfortable just talking about the baseball. You know, it stopped being about like, boy, like, how's this testing working? And, and all of those <laughs> now, now it's like, well, hey, we can talk about the fifth starter competition and not feel bad about it because it's ongoing. It's happening in front of us. And, you know, we were able to form some opinions about the Phillies based on what we saw in the three week training camp. Um, what stuck out to you in terms of what you saw baseball wise on that on that field, um, you know, independent of all the other weirdness? That Phil, Phil, Phil Gosselin can hit, right? <laughs> yeah, um, hit machine. Yeah, I think Spencer Howard is for real. Uh, and I don't know if there were any doubts before summer camp. I think you, you know now that he's for real and he's coming maybe in a week. You know, it, it's he, he's going to be a major contributor, I think, in the starting rotation. But just to stick with the rotation, Vince Velasquez, how about yeah. the way he pitched at Yankee Stadium? Um, it, it's the way he was – talking about pitching in spring training and you saw a little bit of it down in Clearwater, but to actually see that now three months later for him to be doing it and to pitch low in the zone, not just pumping high fastballs and to be more of a, you know, complete pitcher. I think there's reason for optimism and I know there's been reasons for optimism before and you may have been disappointed, but it, you know, in this this season, it's it's a different reason for optimism with Vince Velasquez. I think you you might see a guy who takes that next step and becomes you know more than just a, a four inning, five inning pitcher. Yeah, I, I tweeted about this, but watching him the other night at Yankee Stadium and then hearing him afterwards, um, it took me back to St. Louis uh, in May of 2019, uh, where you know we found out after the game that Real Muto, JT Real Muto, was not happy with Velasquez because. He was calling for off speed and Velasquez kept shaking to the fastball. And I think he gave up three homers that night and the Phillies lost. And, um, you know, JT was pretty outspoken after the game about his disappointment. And, and then you heard, you watched Velasquez on Monday and you heard him talk about pitching afterwards. And you were like, you know, I know we've heard it before. I mean, we've heard him talk about the need to be less one dimensional and less reliant on his fastball and to trust his stuff more he actually sounds like he believes it now. And, 
you know, he may make me eat my words uh, in a week or two hmm. uh, if he gets knocked around his first few starts. But uh, he just sounds like a bit of a different guy. And I, I think some of that has to be trusting JT behind the plate. Some of that has to be Brian Price. Um, he credited Dave Lundquist with helping him to uh, learn a cutter, to develop a cutter. Um, but, you know, between the cutter and more the curveball and the changeup, he really seems to have weapons now. And, you know, Real Muto told us right at the beginning of camp, he thought Velasquez was going to be less one-dimensional and less of a one-trick pony. And it sure looks like Velasquez believes it now, like he's buying into it. And I don't know if it's because Spencer Howard's hot on his heels. I don't know if it's because he was made to fight for a rotation spot, which he really wasn't made to do last year or the year before. But something has, has changed his tone, and, and he does seem like a bit of a different guy and a different pitcher. Yeah, I think it's that you get to that point where it's like, you know, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep throwing fastballs and getting knocked around? And then obviously I'm not going to have a job forever doing that if, if, I, you know, if I continue to fail. So he, he looked at himself. He had the help of this new pitching staff to, to help with him in, in spring training. And I give him a lot of credit because that's probably the hardest thing to do. You got to the majors by doing by, – by being a power pitcher, by throwing a high fastball, and now all of a sudden you kind of have to retool yourself to sit, keep your career going, really. And, and I think that's what, what we've seen so far. Like you said, I have no idea if it's going to work or not, but I, I'm going to give the guy the chance to see what happens. Like everybody, he threw 25 pitches in the first inning on uh, Monday night in the Yankee Stadium. Everyone's like, oh, same old Velasquez. But, like, if you watch those 25 pitches, he was pitching down the zone. He was throwing curveballs. He was, you know, mixing it up. It wasn't just, like, high fastballs that couldn't – that were getting hit around or couldn't find the zone. And then next thing you know, he settles in for the next four innings. So, I think – and it was the first time he faced live competition in three months. Yeah. So, it's it- like you got to – be a little patient here yeah it felt like Get, a little and see what he does yeah it felt like a little bit of a different what, what was it 28 pitches it felt like a little bit of a different 28 pitch inning than we normally see from him because normally it was fun to watch yeah normally it's like oh well uh velasquez's pitch counts running high because he can't locate you know he's throwing that fastball all over the the place and uh he's walking guys and he's running deep counts because of that it felt more like he was throwing his full array of pitches and trying to set hitters up a little bit, if that makes sense. And, you know, maybe he wasn't Definitely. getting early outs, you know, like, like early in the count outs, but he was setting hitters up for later in the count. And it's also spring training or training camp. So, you know, you want guys to work on different things. Uh, quick outs are great anytime, but you know, if there's ever a time to like, okay, I'm going to throw a breaking ball here to set up the fastball there training camp's the time to do that. So it felt like he was pitching more than just, you know, throwing the ball all over the place and not being able to find the strike zone. And, and that was, that was good to see. Um, he slots in on Sunday uh, against the Marlins. And we now have a little bit more clarity about the rotation, not just because of the fact that we know for sure Velasquez is in it. We also know Zach Wheeler is going to make his um, first start of the season and, health permitting every start thereafter because he and his wife had their baby on Monday. And so that means he is good to go. There was some uncertainty about that. 
Um, do you feel any better about, you know, now that you know Velasquez is in and Zach Eflin, if he's healthy, would probably get game five and Howard may be on the way and Wheeler is here to stay. I mean, do you feel any more confident about the rotation than maybe we, we would have at the start of training camp or, or even in spring training? For sure. And I, it was it was hard to talk about the rotation when you didn't know the status of Zach Wheeler because, you know, if, if you take Zach Wheeler, Wheeler out of the mix, it's it's the same rotation as last year pretty much, the one that just wasn't good enough. But if you you start your rotation with Nola and Wheeler at the top, I think, you know, and, and who knows what Arietta can give you. If he can give you 12 good starts this year or 12 decent starts. In a free agent walk year, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's reason – like, this rotation was not good last year. There's no, um, you know, way to argue that. But I think that just the fact that you know you have Zach Wheeler, there's no uncertainty there. You, you know what you have in Aaron Nola. I think this rotation can be – it's not going to be, you know, the best in the National League, but it can – it's going to – it should be able to be good enough to keep this team in games. And most importantly, it's going to have to – you know, keep the bullpen out of games. Because if you look at the roster, that's the main problem with this team is the bullpen. Like I was, there's going to be 11 arms in the bullpen and it's tough to find 11 guys. If you go through that roster, I'm like, I guess this guy's going to make the team. I have no idea. And I'm, we've, we've sat in the ballpark for three weeks watching it and you still can't find 11 pitchers. It's going to be that that's the, that's the problem. And if this, if they have to rely on, the bullpen, which they probably will, especially earlier in the year when pitchers aren't stretched out. That's, that's to me, the, what could really hurt them. Yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my main issue with the pitching staff is the bullpen. Um, you said it. I, you can't – you have a hard time coming up with 11 names in that opening day bullpen, and, and it, gets, it got harder this week after they released Francisco Liriano and Anthony Swarzak, and Bud Norris didn't pitch very well but we at least knew who he was and, and we knew, you know, like we knew what he was. I mean, I knew more about Bud Norris than I know about Diolas Guerra, um, you know, and, and, and he's on the team. I, I'm pretty sure, you know, so it's like um, it, it's difficult and, and, and it, it's hard when you don't have Sir Anthony Dominguez in the eighth inning. And it's hard when you're not sure if, you know, Tommy Hunter, he pitched an inning yesterday. It was his first intra-squad game. I don't think he's far behind, but I don't, I don't think he'll be there on day one. Uh, Victor Arano, you know, another one who um, just didn't look all that sharp the other night uh, in an intra-squad game. And we know he's been a little bit behind. So, you know, these are names as you start to subtract and you're like, okay, well, you know, if, if, if the starting pitcher, whoever that, that guy is, the first time or two through the rotation is going to give you six innings or so, how do you get to Hector Neris in the ninth? I mean, who's it going to be? Uh, you got Jose Alvarez and Adam Morgan, who are sort of proven commodities by now from the left side. What do you have from the right side? We really, we don't really know. Um, they're going to trust a lot of young pitchers, right? Like Damon Jones and Connor Brogdon. And we're going to see a lot of those yep. guys, I think. And, you know, I, maybe they made a calculation that at a much lower cost, those guys are just as good as Liriano and Swarzak are now. But they lack experience. And Joe Girardi is, a, is supposed to be a whiz at managing a bullpen. He might be tested more than he's ever been tested before in terms of how he manages this bullpen. And to their credit, they might be right. Uh, Connor Brogdon Sunday night, I know exhibition game against a, a really bad Orioles team, but 
looked excellent. And, he, you know, he was really good last year at three levels in the minors. Um, Damon Jones has looked good when we've seen him. And no disrespect to Anthony Swarzak, but what's the – is there a huge difference between what, what he did last year and what Connor Brogdon could do this year? No, I mean, there like, might I, not I'd, be. And for the Phillies, I'd, I'd personally – if I'm Matt Klintak, I want to know what Connor Brogdon can do. I'd rather have him on my team than, than you know, a veteran – Guy that has no future here past the, the final seat. I mean, the, the final game of this season. Yeah, and you know it's funny. Uh, we hadn't talked about the luxury tax in months because of all of this, and yeah. now it comes back. That was a because, good point by you. Yeah, now it comes back because if they are, you know, um, you know, estimates have them at roughly three million dollars under the threshold, the two hundred eight, two hundred eight million. Uh, Swarzak would have been a million and a half. Liriana would have been a million and a half. That gets you right to the threshold, um, and and maybe maybe over it. Uh, you know, if you're going to, they kept Neil Walker, and um, it would have pushed you over it. And that's before you get to this trade deadline. There is a trade deadline this year. It's August 31st. Uh, if if you end up needing a reliever at the trade deadline, you probably can find one who's better than Liriano or Swarzak. And that's the reason you'd go over the luxury tax, not, not to keep a Liriano or a Swarzak. So, you know, if that's the logic, and I think it is like, Hey, let's take a look at the young relievers now early in the season. And I know it's a 60 game season. And if you screw up early in the season, there's going to be no turning back and your season's going to be lost, but whatever. I mean, you got to run these guys out there at some point, Run them out there early in the season, and if you need reliever help, you know there are going to be, believe it or not, even in the middle of a pandemic, there are going to be teams that that are sellers at the trade deadline, and they're going to probably kind of ruthlessly trade players in the middle of all of this. And you know you might be able to find a really good relief pitcher on a team that's not contending. So um, you know I, I think that's where the logic was here, um, and and we'll see how it goes and whether it costs them or whether it ends up paying off. Yeah, and I've, just for you know, interest's sake, I'd rather see Ramon Rosso, Garrett Clevenger, Damon Jones, Connor Brogdon than than the guys that were signed on minor league deals. It just it, you know that I'd rather see what these kids can do. We've read about their strikeout numbers in the minor leagues and how high they are. So now let's see it. Sixty game season. I don't know if the bullpen's going to work. Like I said, it's still tough to find eleven names, especially you don't know a lot about these guys, but. I'd rather watch that bullpen, see how these young arms handle it, than than see you know these retread guys on minor league deals that you know don't haven't. It's not like they they were dependable or great last year. Their track records are four or five years ago at this point. So I don't think the Phillies are. It's it's not like they they, they were going to pay a pre, almost a premium price for for guys that that weren't really. Um, you know, that's successful in the last two seasons. And is that what you're going to go over the luxury tax right. for in a 60-game season? You're going to go over because of that? It's like if you have almost equal assets at a much lesser price, then it just doesn't really make any sense to, to sign those guys. It, it is amazing. I think, I, think one, I think one reliever would make all the difference. Like if you had, if you had Sir Anthony Dominguez or if you had David yeah. Robertson um, to pair with Hector Neris at the back of the game, you'd say, okay – like, let's give the kids a chance, you know, and sink or swim. And if we need to go find another reliever, we'll go do that. 
but they don't have Dominguez and they don't have Robertson. And for now they don't have Hunter and they probably don't have Arano. And so, I mean, it's just how different is the bullpen. If you have just, just one of those Robertson guys. and Sir Anthony, just, but if you have both, yes. And it's like, wow. All right. When I, I can, I can find 11 names right now for you. Right. Exactly. Which takes us to the question of the playoffs. And <laughs> it is a huge question because here we are just a few hours away from opening day. And we will, will there be a playoffs? Will there be playoffs? And if there are, mm-hmm. how many teams will make it? These are not questions you normally ask, you know, a few hours away from opening day. But there were reports last night that. Major League Baseball and the Players Association, who can't, as, as a negotiations between these two parties, do not go anywhere until the very, very last minute, no matter what they're negotiating about, whether it's something as seemingly easy as expanding the playoffs, which should be a win-win for both sides, nothing ever happens till the last minute. So right now there are 10 teams in the postseason, same as it ever was last year and every year since whatever the first year was where they had the two wild card system in each league. They'd like to increase it to 16 teams, eight in each league. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. Does it matter for the Phillies? Does their road to the playoffs? Uh, how, how do you sort of see their road to the playoffs in this very, very difficult AL and at least? Right now, it's incredibly difficult. If, if it's the, what we're used to, the traditional format, and it, it, it was already hard over a 162 normal season. But now if you change, when you change the schedule – and you're playing the Yankees, you're playing the Red Sox, you're playing Tampa Bay, and then you're playing exclusively the Nationals and the Braves and the Mets. It's tough. I, I don't – if there's a traditional format, I would be really surprised if the Phillies can make the playoffs. Can they? Sure. And the lineup on paper, when, when you tweet it out every night and you look at it and you're like, wow, you know, this lineup is really good. But I had the same feelings last year, and they finished below league average in almost every offensive category. So – like, I'm not going to – like, I want this team to prove it to me that they're a playoff team before I start parading around saying they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to win the NL East because we've fallen for that the last two years. But if you add, you know, 16 teams and eight in each league, I can't see how they're not a playoff team at that point in the, in the expanded format. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Look, Joe Girardi said last night, more playoffs, more playoff teams, the better. And uh, I kind of had to laugh as he said it because it was like, yeah, no kidding. I mean, if it's the difference between being one of the five best teams in your league in the National League or being one of the eight best, you know, if if it's one of the eight best, I think they're one of the eight best teams in the National League. If it's one of the five best, I'm not so sure. I mean, you, you know, like barring a major, major upset, right? The Dodgers are are in. <laughs> How can yeah. they not be? Um, you know, someone's got to win the central, whether it's, whether it's the Brewers or the Cubs or the Reds or the, you know, uh, whoever you like in that division. And, you know, of course we know the Phillies are going to contend with the nationals and Braves and Mets in their own division. So it gets difficult when, when it's only five, um, when it's eight, you know, I, the road gets a little bit easier and, and I could see it a little bit more. So I think it's really worth kind of paying attention to and Girardi went so far as to say look I don't need to know what the playoff format's going to be on day one if they want to wait until three weeks into the season to decide to add four more playoff teams in each league so be it and and it just tells you I think where his head is at um 
from a competitive standpoint, you know, uh, I think he knows that their, their road gets a whole lot easier if uh, if you open the door to more teams. It just makes sense. And But I do think- you have to – like, I, I saw that too, this quote, but do you – they have to know before the first game, right? Just like for like rule-wise or – could they really just say two weeks from now they're going to expand the playoffs? I don't see why they, they can't wait. I mean, it, look, it's, it would be totally uh, weird. I mean, no, I don't yeah. know that any season has ever began. Be, I mean, I guess, look, I guess 1981, right, was the last time that the playoff format changed in midstream, and that was because of a player strike, and they decided mm-hmm. the first half, second half thing. Um, but really, as long as teams know before far enough advance in advance before the trade deadline, I guess what the playoff structure is going to be, that's okay. I, I think. I mean, it's not going to change how teams operate today or tomorrow, or even next week if they don't know yet how many teams make the playoffs. It's going to be good. You know, you get you know ten games into a sixty game season. If you're zero and ten, you're probably not looking too great. Whether it's uh, 10 team playoff or 16 team playoff. So, you know, the deeper you go, the more team, the more teams are going to have to know, but I don't know why it has to be set in stone on day one. Yeah, I agree. And a lot, a lot of the talk are like, you know, there's a world series champion going to be an asterisk this year. And I think it's just like silly. I don't know. I don't think any of these champions and any of these sports that are starting up, is going to have an asterisk. It, it, it is what it is. But the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since 2011. If they make the playoffs in an expanded season, I mean, an expanded format in the 60 game season, does that like if, and, and they, they lose in the first round. So it's not like they, they went deep or anything. Does that break the playoff drought? Or is that like, to me, that kind of feels a little asterisk. Like if the Phillies want to break their playoff drought, I almost feel like they have to earn it. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's just like if you're the eighth best team and you finished 500 and you made the playoffs, it's like, I mean, you still really haven't made the playoffs since 2011. I guess you made it this year. You lost in three in a three game series and you're out. But does that really count? Well, how do you feel about it if they played a 162 game season with expanded playoffs and they lost in like a one one game wild card? Yeah. And if that if that's the new thing, like, like, and then like normal – wait, expanded playoffs or not expanded playoffs? Expanded. So let's say they played a 162-game season with a 16-team playoff and they lost like in the first round or after a wild card game. You know, technically yeah. speaking, they would have broken their playoff drought. They're in. And if, if that's like the new format, that's the new format, they're in the playoffs. But if this is like a one-and-done thing where they just expand the playoffs one year and they made it this year. It's like – I don't know. And to me, it's like, like technically they made the playoffs, but like – Oh, I see what you're saying. You have to like, you have to make the playoffs to make the playoffs. I think once they expand, they're never going to contract the playoffs. So you're probably if, right. If once they there's go money to, to be made. Yeah, I think if they go to 16, that becomes the new norm. And you know, look, I, I've I've been pretty firm on this. I don't think there's there's any asterisk whatsoever to winning a World Series this year or making the playoffs this year. You know, I, 60 games, I get it. It's not baseball. It's 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 a uh, it's 37 percent of a season. And, you know, we always talk about the grind and the marathon and the six months and, oh, it's such a thing to get through. But if you get through 67 days of a season in which you were tested for covid every other day 
yeah. and you had to social distance and you couldn't leave your hotel on the road and you dealt with all these other crazy challenges to play baseball in the middle of a pandemic. And you had to wear a mask with, uh, when you wrote a game story. You, you, you had to wear a mask when you wrote a game story. Or if you're T.D. Gregorius, you had to wear a mask when you were facing Max Scherzer. Yeah. You know, and you still managed to get a hit. And you get through a season where injuries are going to spike. They just are because players didn't have enough of a ramp up. And yeah. And you're going to have players taken off the field uh, because of COVID. And you're going to have 60-man rosters because teams are going to cycle through the 60 players if they have 60 in camp. You, you can remove the asterisk. I think you've earned it, even though you only played 60 games. I, I don't buy the whole asterisk thing. I will asterisk you if you hit 400 this year because I don't think that really matters. I don't think that counts. I will asterisk you if you have like a – like a record-breaking ERA this year because you did it in 12 starts instead of 30. But if you win the World Series, I think you earned it. I think you got through something no no one's ever gotten through. And, you know, uh, I mean, I, I just don't see any place for an asterisk. If they can make it – and that takes us back to where we started, you know. Did we think we'd get to opening day? Probably not. Not all the time. And And here we are. They're here. And if they can get to the end of all of this – you know, more power to them. Yeah, it's almost like how spoiled are we that we're talking about asterisks? I know. You know. During a pandemic, it's like, let's just enjoy what we have. Baseball season starts tomorrow for the Phillies, and let's take it from there. Forget about the asterisks. If they make the playoffs, you made the playoffs. Congratulations. I hear you, and we can finally talk about <laughs> baseball for a change. Exactly. So it all starts up on Friday night at Citizens Bank Park, Phillies and Marlins. Uh, getting this season like no other started up. So for Matt Breen, I'm Scott Lauber. Please check out our work in the pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer and at inquirer.com. And uh, check us out on our newsletter, Extra Innings, podcast, Extra Innings. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>